Your financial choices may discuss various financial-related topics and thus would like to offer the following disclosures. Lori Siebert is employed by Valley National Group, the Valley National Financial Advisors Group of Companies. Investments are offered through Valley National Investments Incorporated, member FINRA. We inform you that any federal tax, state tax, financial advice, or information contained in this communication is not intended to be personalized or specific in nature or to be relied upon for your personal situation in any circumstance. The advice and information are not intended and cannot be used as a tax opinion letter nor used for the purpose of avoiding tax-related penalties. For personalized advice specific to your own situation, we recommend that you consult your CPA, CFP, or attorney. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. I am a CPA, CFP professional, and AEP on the web at yourfinancialchoices.com. And you can listen online each and every week at WDIY.org or on the WDIY app. Programs of our podcast of prior shows are also available on either of those um, sites. And as well as many streaming services. Today is September 20th, 2023. The markets were down today with the Dow closing at 34,440, the NASDAQ at 13,469, and the S&P at 4,402. Our topic tonight is understanding debt. What do you have? We are live tonight. We'll take your questions. Bob and Cindy are in the studio with us this evening. We'll answer your calls, take your information, and we ask you to mute your radio so you can hear me without the delay and we can talk without confusion. We discuss general financial planning topics and not specific investments. And while I typically have a topic each week, you can still ask questions off topic. I'll do my best to answer them. The number is 610-758-8810. Email is also available at yourfinancialchoices.com. If you prefer not not to speak live, just give your question to Cindy and Bob will bring it into the studio and I'll do my best to answer. And you can talk live on air with me or not. Okay. So tonight, understanding debt, what do you have? So I first I'm going to kind of talk about the basics. There's actually probably hours and hours that we could talk about understanding debt. So I just kind of want to lay the table make sure that we have an awareness about this. Some of it might seem very basic to some people, but um, what I would say is quite often it, it also lends itself to a bit of ignorance. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in it can be complicated enough and difficult to understand. And that's how I think some people can get into trouble. You wouldn't believe how many really smart people don't understand how, you know, debt necessarily works. So I thought I would kind of give some basics and then talk about some specific examples um, as time allows. So the basics. Uh, a debt is when we have borrowed some amount of money from someone, an institution, or ourselves even. I don't know if I'll even get to talk about that. Sometimes people can borrow from a 401k. Um, so a debt is when we've borrowed some amount of money uh, for a particular period of time at a particular rate of return or interest rate with some predetermined payment. Okay, so we borrow money from someone or something, some institution, we borrow money, 
because we're borrowing money and someone is taking a risk on us that we may not be able to pay it back, we have to pay them for that right, that benefit to borrow. That's the interest rate that applies. And the payment that is required on that loan to pay it back is determined based on the value of the loan, the interest rate of the loan, and the period of time that we have to pay it back. That's what determines, um, you know, all of this, the, the, the total payments, the number of payments, the total interest paid over that period of time. So it's all calculated based, again, on the amount that we're borrowing, the interest rate we're borrowing, and the time period uh, that we're paying back to come up with a payment. So it's important to understand what debt you have uh, because some debt, in my opinion, and others as well, is some debt is good debt, some's not so good, and some you should not really even want or even have if you're being a good steward of your money. Uh, we use debt to pay for items we don't currently have the savings for or for leveraging or options when we need assistance for purchases or investments that we currently don't have the funds available. But we expect that the cost of that debt over time is going to be less than the return on the investment. It could be speculative, meaning maybe it doesn't cost us that much money to borrow and we think we're going to make more money on whatever we've used those borrowed funds Four. We're going to talk about what that means. Um, so you really want to have an understanding of the terms of taking on any debt and the anticipated or expected returns on what that money um, is used for. And it's really imperative to understand this in your proactive practice of money management, as I would call it. Um, so some examples of borrowing buying a car, a home, second home, investment property, education, business, uh, improvements on your home, living expenses. Sometimes those living expenses are discretionary and non-discretionary. That's very important in understanding debt and the cost of debt, particularly when I say discretionary spending, living expenses. Typically when we borrow, we may have to have collateral to secure the loan. Uh, someone's not going to just lend us $300,000 to buy a house. And if we default and stop making payments, they're not going to take that much of a risk. They're going to take a bit of a risk on the monthly payments. That's why they're charging you an interest rate. But something has to secure that loan. And typically, when we're talking about a home or buying a house, uh, the, that loan's called a mortgage. And we um, are secure that by the value of the property. So the, the person or the institution who's making that loan, they want to make sure that they're going to either receive their money back in the payments that you're making, or they're going to take the property, you know, they're going to foreclose on it or take it back. Um, credit card debt is typically unsecured, which is why there's limits that the credit card companies put on the amounts that they let you put on a charge card or, you know, a credit card. Um, and that's why I also think they carry higher interest rates because there is more risk to the lender on a credit card because you're not securing that credit limit by, you know, your home. That's not a mortgage. This is just credit debt, you know, credit cards. Um, 
there was a report out by the Federal Reserve Bank of New York um, for the second quarter of 2023 talking about household debt and said that household debt rises to $17.06 trillion led by credit card balances. Total household debt rose by $16 billion to reach $17.06 trillion in the second quarter of 2023, according to the latest quarterly report on household debt and credit. Credit card balances saw brisk growth rising by $45 billion to a series high of $1.03 trillion. Other balances, which include retail credit cards and other consumer loans and auto loans, increased by $15 billion and $20 billion, respectively. Student loan balances fell by $35 billion to reach $1.57 trillion, while mortgage balances were largely un changed at 12.01 million. So we see that when we're looking at household debt, it's not just mortgages that we're talking about. It's also these credit card balances that really lead a lot of this overall household debt. And we should have a handle on what kind of debt we have to be able to control it. When you know your numbers, it's much easier to uh, manage. It's much better than living in denial. Um, so folks, we are talking about understanding debt tonight and what do you have? And there's kind of good debt and maybe not so good debt. We'll talk about some applications of this around mortgages, student loans, credit cards, and understanding what a credit score is as we go through the rest of the show. Um, if you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810, and we'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including fee-based asset management. It all starts with personal goals and an understanding of risk tolerance, investment objectives, and the markets. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. WDIY members have exclusive access to our weekly member ticket giveaway. That's a new drawing every week for the best events the Lehigh Valley has to offer. Concerts, festivals, film screenings, theater performances, and more. Last year, WDIY gave away over 2,000 tickets to our members. So don't miss your chance. Become a WDIY member today. Call 610-694-8100, extension 4 or visit WDIY.org. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1 FM. If you have questions this evening, we're talking about understanding debt. What do you have? Phone number is 610-758-8810. And you can talk live on air with me or give your question to Cindy and Bob will bring it in to me. We... Um, I want to talk about an article. So I mentioned good debt versus bad debt. And of course, you know, for financial advisors, we often have this kind of language in our vernacular. But um, I did kind of search it before uh, coming over for the show. And Schwab, Charles Schwab, had on their website an article uh, under uh, a service or link called Money Wise. 
and it's called Good Debt Versus Bad Debt, Understanding the Difference, and it's their two cents. They say, as a general rule, don't borrow money, more money than you can handle. Borrowing money is a lot easier than paying it back. Smart borrowing can be convenient and help you achieve important goals like buying a home, buying a car, going to college. Having too much debt can make it difficult to save and put additional strain on your budget. Consider the total cost before you borrow not just the monthly payment. Um, and I'm going to talk about that more as we go through talking about some of the credit cards. So when we talk about not all debt is bad, they're saying make smart decisions about when and how much to borrow and that you should understand the difference between good and bad and that you can avoid being part of the negative debt where they're talking about total housing debt numbers and to me, that's not relevant or important to you individually. You individually need to understand your own circumstances, your own abilities, your own discipline as to how you would manage this. So don't be swayed by, you know, statistics. Understand yourself. And if you can do it on a proactive basis, you're, you know, much further ahead than trying to dig out of it after it's already happened. So um, when we talk about different kinds of loans and we should always maybe first think about rather than uh, uh, incurring debt, do we have savings to first use? Um, we talk often about having emergency savings on the show and with our clients. You want to make sure you have an emergency reserve. That's typically really for a, an emergency. You have a car repair. You have to get the car fixed. Um, you might have maxed out your credit card. You, you want to have a cash reserve. Um, so typically when you have savings that you can accumulate for a future goal, that obviously, so obvious, but we have to say it, is going to help you manage further debt because the more you can put down on a car or put down on a house or put down on your education means you have less debt, less to borrow, and less interest payments that you're making. Now, a quick aside, um, I, I a friend of a good friend of ours, when he was going to college, uh, from his perspective, the interest rates on the loan were much lower than what he could earn on, his, on investing the money. So he actually took a loan when he didn't need it uh, for school, invested the money, and then paid off the student loans when he came out of college. There's some risk with that. So you also have to understand risk. Don't think that um, taking out debt and leveraging that will always pay off um, by because sometimes it doesn't work that way. The markets might not perform better than the cost of that debt. Um, so be careful of non-deductible high interest debt that you might see on credit cards. Not all debt is bad. The article goes on to say good debt should ideally be in low amounts, low cost, help you achieve your financial goals. And sometimes they have a tax advantage. So for example, when we talk about mortgages, uh, the interest that you're paying on a mortgage may or may not be deductible. What happens years ago, prior to the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, people could deduct the mortgage interest because we had very low standard deductions. So if you had a Schedule A and you itemize 
itemized your deductions for your tax return, you could get a deduction for state and local taxes, for property taxes if you're a homeowner, for mortgage interest, and quite often for um, particularly new homeowners, the interest rate is the highest in the early years, and you could get a tax deduction. So what you would consider when you were going to borrow money is you would say, if that loan cost, and I'm making this up on old rates, 4%, and I'm in a, let's say, 25% tax bracket, and I get a deduction on my mortgage interest, that loan might only cost me 3%. So that sounds like a really good rate. Now we're looking at maybe 8% loans, and people might not be able to itemize. So it, it would be a true cost of 8%. So you might not be getting the same kind of deduction. So you have to be really, really careful when, you know, parents might think you're getting a deduction or you're going to buy a house and they're going to say, hey, well, you know, yes, you're paying out that mon much monthly, but you're going to get a deduction on your tax return for your mortgage interest. You might not. Married filing joint, the standard deduction, I think, for 2022 was something like 25700 You may not be able to deduct the mortgage interest on your loan. So don't assume that the interest that you're paying is going to get a tax break. It might not. All right. So, but it could be, it could get you a deduction. Now, we talk about mortgages. Sometimes people talk about um, home equity lines of credit or second mortgages. If you're using those proceeds for something other than the home or home improvements, that would not be deductible either. And another note for people who take out debt exceeding $750,000 for a mortgage, that may not be deductible either because uh, the IRS in recent years changed the deductibility of mortgage interest over certain thresholds. So you really want to make sure you're being proactive and understanding. Same thing applies to something like um, student loans. There's, you know, the deduction may or may not be a benefit to you. It depends on income. So I'm, I'm talking about though good debt versus bad debt and Typically, from my perspective, when you're investing in a home, if you've done your homework and it looks like it's in a, in a good area, good school district with in, um, appreciation potential, then and it fits your needs and your cash flow needs, that could be a good investment because rather than putting money into rent, you're putting your money into a home. And eventually, if you pay off your mortgage, you no longer have that monthly um, payment due that if you were renting, you would continue to have. Now, there's, I'm sure, arguments that one could make to say that renting might be more affordable for people or many people as well, might be more affordable than owning a home and paying out that money. Because with homes, we also have property taxes, homeowners insurance, we have um, improvements, bigger homes, typically than an apartment, more furniture, higher utilities. So one might be able to make the argument for renting, but for someone who wants to own a home, an individual home, it is an investment. And over time, as you pay off that mortgage, then at least you don't have that monthly payment and you hope that you're going to get some appreciation out of it um, after that period of time where you might not get that in um, renting. Now, you could rent for a while while you're saving up and increasing your savings to have a large 
larger down payment to reduce the uh, mortgage amount, which then reduces the interest over time. Another good debt, of course, in my opinion, is education. Yes, I took out debt for education. Took me a long time to pay it off. Totally worth it. Great investment. You just have to be smart about that as well. I did work while I was in college, so I didn't have to take as much debt or loans or student loans as as one who's attending who's not working. Um, I really managed that and took a little longer to go to college so that I could pay as I went. Uh, but investment in education, always a win. Uh, well, I shouldn't say always. There's always exceptions, I suppose, too. So when we come back, I want to talk about some of what I would call, you know, maybe the bad debt, not so good debt. If you have questions, and that would be credit cards. Um, if you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. We'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including income tax preparation for individuals, businesses, estates, and trusts. Tax preparation involves more than putting numbers on a return. It requires planning. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. WDIY presents a selection of award-winning public affairs programs weeknights from 6 to 7 p.m., Listen to important conversations regarding art, science, politics, and more here in the Lehigh Valley and beyond. Check our website for new topics and archive programs. WDIY Public Affairs on 88.1 FM, streaming at WDIY.org, on the app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You are listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1 and also available on the WDIY uh, app. Uh, we are talking about understanding debt. What do you have? Um, I generally like uh, folks to know what their debt is. I mentioned that earlier. I think when you're aware of it, obviously, <laughs> you know, you, you can manage it better. And, you know, back in the day, I used to give people an Excel spreadsheet template uh, for people who know what Excel, you know, comfortable with Excel. Uh, and we would have them complete like a balance sheet. And that balance sheet would include their cash, their investments, retirement accounts, and then their debts, their liabilities, their, uh, you know, if they have mortgages, credit card balances, car loans, student loans. And then further details needed would be the interest rates on all of those and the payment cycle on all of those. Because then when you understand how much the debt is costing you, it's much easier to know where you should put funds when available additional funds and things like that. The issue with credit cards I had mentioned, uh, you know, discretionary and non-discretionary spending, there's times where credit cards are really a godsend and they, they can make sense and, and really... Um, you know, bail someone out of a tough situation. As I mentioned, it, it, you know, you might have emergency reserves, but maybe you have a big car repair of $2,500 and you kind of have to do it all at once, but maybe you, you want to make sure you still have your cash on hand just in case. What if you have to buy a new car? What if the repairs don't work? So there are times where it's really nice to kind of have a credit card. Uh, typically, what I, of course, would recommend for people would be to pay it off monthly, or not monthly, to pay it off each month. Um, and that's where I see people get in trouble from, again, that kind of element of 
not understanding and and the ignorance not in a negative way because the credit card companies send you your statement you've charged $2,500 what's the interest rate you have to know what interest rate is on your credit card um, credit card interest can vary quite a bit it could be you know I've seen rates on uh, nerd wallet dot uh, com is a website that kind of helps people with some money um, understanding education and the rates I saw there were like between 17 percent and 19 point or 29.99 so that's nerdwallet.com and they had compared credit card um, you know terms and on their website and that was the interest rate that I saw on just the the five that they were looking at 17.24 up to 29.99 if you're only making minimum payments I didn't do the calculations but it could take forever to pay that off and you know think about it a thousand dollars at almost a 30 percent rate of return that's $300 for the year so when you go buy something on sale at the store and you think you're getting such a good deal and isn't this wonderful I got 25% off and you put it on a credit card and run that balance and only make monthly minimum payments it's going to cost you more than the the sale for sure so just be careful of that but what you also could watch out for if you are someone who's running balances again if your credit score is decent and I'll talk about credit score in, in a little bit here but there are still credit card companies that do offer zero um, percent for some period of time on balance transfers so if you have a high credit card rate on a current card, if it's in the, the range of 29.99, but you were always a good payer, maybe your credit's not bad, you might be able to apply for one of these credit cards that could do a balance transfer where you could have a 0% rate. Now, that doesn't mean you don't try to pay it off still because it's zero. You want to work that down. Um, because it's usually only for a short period of time. And in some of the examples they had on nerdwallet.com, it was 15 months. So if you could move your balance over from a high interest rate credit card to a 0% for 15 months and try to pace yourself on maybe paying it off over that 15 months, figure it out at a 0% interest, uh, you could still pay it off. Now, someone might have the logic, oh, Let's say I owe $15,000 on a credit card and I try to move it to this 0% transfer. And I think I don't really, um, usually they're going to require a minimum payment. So you might say to yourself, well, I'm only going to pay the minimum payment because they're not charging me any interest. Well, if you miss a payment, the terms of that deal might uh, be rescinded and you might now fall back into the higher interest rate. You have to be really careful on the terms when applying for those 0% transfer balances. You you should typically have a minimum amount that you want to pay, but you also want to say all those savings I have in not having to accumulate that high interest rate on the old card should be going toward this card and with the goal of paying it off within the 15 months and um, not having a balance beyond that. Um, in my early years, you know, my husband and I did that when we would transfer it to zero, try to work it down. And you do that a number of times and eventually get 
that credit card paid off. And that was so long ago that my husband and I did that and made a habit of always paying off our credit card every month from now on. We use credit cards all the time. I'm not dis, um, uh, dissuading anyone from having a credit card because there's a lot of credit card perks that you could get as well. Uh, you know, cash back, discounts, flight discounts, things like that. So you definitely just want to be disciplined enough to make sure that you're paying down the uh, credit card balances during that interest free period and hopefully paying it off during that period as well. So you could always check out uh, that nerdwallet.com. I'm not saying that's a recommendation. I'm just saying that's where I found that credit card information. And I thought it could be quite helpful. And it, it's a bit of a education site as well. So credit cards, not so good, as particular when we talk about um, discretionary spending. So when we talk about discretionary spending, that means do I really need to spend that money on that? If you're tight on your budget, you're building up credit card balances, not able to pay them off, then, you know, you shouldn't be buying, you know, expensive coffee, you shouldn't be going out to dinner and buying drinks, you, you just have to throw some discipline in there. And it makes such a difference. Um, we were working with a client who had very high credit card debt, um, to the tune of tens of thousands of dollars, and she was making her minimum payments religiously. She had no idea and didn't realize that her average credit card interest rate was, I think, somewhere in the tune of like 20%. So she was paying on 50000 can you imagine, for a year, the interest that was accumulating would have been about $10,000. So again, is that worth it? Do you realize it? just get ahead of it and try not to let yourself get into those habits. Um, when we come back from the break, the show's going very fast. Um, I'm going to talk about student loans a bit and mortgages and um, some terminology that would be really important for people to know and some websites for student loans for people too, because we do know that the payment, um, the payments on those are no longer, um, you know, suspended, they're coming back. So uh, you need to be aware of what's going on with your student loans and plug into those. It's amazing how many people don't know what interest rates or balances they have on their student loans. Uh, we are at our halfway point. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. We'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including estate planning and tax preparation, especially for Pennsylvania and New Jersey residents subject to state inheritance tax reporting. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. Welcome back. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. You can talk live on air with me, or if you're not comfortable talking live, just give your question to Cindy. They'll bring it in, and or you can reach me, th hopefully, through the website, yourfinancialchoices.com. I did have someone tell me they sent me a question, and I never got it. So um, if, if anyone has emailed questions to me... Um, uh, I'm sorry if, if for some reason I don't receive them. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the kind of debt, the good debt, the bad debt, the credit card debt, not so good, could be great in an emergency. Uh, 
I think I, I want to talk about credit scores quickly. I was going to do that at the end, but I'm going to talk about it now only because when we talk about uh, having debt, credit card debt certainly impacts our credit scores. And why is it important to understand what the credit score is, is because that is if you manage your uh, how the factors that go into calculating a credit score, and I did a show on that you know, several weeks back, if you can be disciplined enough to make your payments, manage your debt, such that you have a higher credit score, that's called the FICO score, that will help you borrow at lower rates generally. It will help you borrow at lower rates. So if you become a good steward of your spending and your habits, that helps you. And that is the, you know, snowball effect the that many people can get ahead and do better because they're smarter up front with their spending, okay? So sometimes you might look at your friend and say, why did they get a better interest rate than I did? Well, it was because maybe they were more disciplined early on. I'm so proud and impressed with my children um, that they actually have learned some financial habits uh, from my husband and myself in that they established credit early. My daughter started with a... Um, department store credit card paid it off immediately she set it up immediately to pay off as soon as she charged something so when she uh, put it on her store credit card she got points or discounts so that helped her save money but then also by setting it up for auto pay she never um, incurred any interest or finance charges on that debt because she paid it off right away. My son did it with, I believe, an Apple Pay credit card. So there are a number of ways for young adults to get credit. They're inundated when they're going to college with applications for credit cards. And you just have to really be careful as parents or grandparents who are talking to your your new uh, students or your young college-age students about being um, lured in by credit card applications. Just tell them they have to make sure that they pay it off um, right away. They shouldn't be putting money on it that they don't have to spend. So when we talk about credit scores, that debt that they might be applying for in credit cards, department stores, whatever it might be, could affect their credit score. Um, so it does impact the rates and it particularly impacts rates when you go to buy a home. And so from Nerd Wallet again, I had found some information on that. How can I elevate my credit score to buy a home? It says, if you hold off on your home purchase until your credit has improved, you may be able to qualify for more types of loans and get lower interest rates. There are several ways that you can build credit fast, but know that it takes time for new information to be reported to the credit bureaus and thus for you to see your updated score. Some strategies for getting your credit score ready to apply for a mortgage. Pay all your bills on time. Late payments can ding your score, so try not to miss the due date on your credit card, car loan, or other regular bill. Try to use less than 30% of your available credit. That's important to know. Use less than 30% of your available credit. You don't need to pay off your credit cards all at once, although that's what I'm suggesting, but making multiple payments per month can help keep your credit utilization lower 
lower while avoiding a shock to your bank account. Also dispute any errors on your credit reports. Incorrect information could be denting your score. So it's worth taking time to review your credit reports and fix any inaccuracies. You can request credit reports from the three major credit bureaus for free. That's Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. And there is a website um, that kind of let lead you to all three of those, a government website. Uh, when you're ready to apply for a home loan, be sure to admit, uh, submit all your applications within a 30-day period. Some of the do's um, that they suggest, shop around. This is um, for... Uh, is it for credit cards? Shop around for the right card. Look for features and rewards that best meet your spending needs. Always read and understand the fine print. This is for credit cards. Pay off the entire balance on time every month. Know the minimum finance charge in case you occasionally have to carry a balance. Consider using your credit card for emergencies only. Keep track of every credit card purchase each month so you don't overspend. The don'ts are don't pay bills late. Late fees and interest payments are expensive and overdue balances can also negatively impact your credit rating. Charge only as much as you can afford or less. Don't use a credit card for purchases less than $10. These small purchases can add up fast. Use cash instead. Don't carry a balance if you can avoid it. It's best to pay off the entire balance before the end of the grace period so you don't have to pay interest. And then they also give a little... Um, tip that says think twice before closing a credit card. It says your credit score is based par partially on your utilization ratio, which is the amount of debt you have compared to your available credit limit. So if you close credit cards but still carry the same amount of debt, your utilization rate is likely to go up and your credit score may go down. So those are some tips on, you know, credit and how credit and your credit score can impact your ability to borrow. That's true, um, not only borrowing for a mortgage, but also even renting or getting a job. I know in my industry in financial services, we check people's credit. So if you're thinking about going into the financial industry or you're already there, but maybe going to work at a new place, you want to make sure that you have um, good credit as well. That is something that they they watch. So let's talk for a moment then about mortgages because that credit score can really impact um, your interest rate that you could get. So let's talk about mortgages, payments, types, and terminology. So a mortgage obviously is a loan used to buy a home. You repay the loan with interest over a set number of years. The property serves as collateral, meaning if you don't pay, the lender can take the home. Though you are a homeowner while paying the mortgage, it's only um, once the mortgage is paid off that you own the home free and clear. So sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, I own my own home or no, the bank owns my home because you have a mortgage on it. So the mortgage will spell out or outline the loan terms and permitting the, your lender to seize the home if you don't repay the loan you know, as promised. Um, if you're buying a home with another person, you'll be a co-borrower and the lender will review both of your finances. A second borrower could help you qualify for a mortgage by increasing your total income or boosting your combined credit score. Um, now, a, a note on buying a home. I've mentioned this on prior shows buy less than you can afford. Uh, I know that 
often we used to hear that realtors would say, buy more than you can afford because eventually your payment you know, continues to stay the same, but over time, hopefully you'll make more money. But life circumstances change. This is, I always like to follow the threads, make sure I have options for people. And if you are in a two earner home and you go to buy a house that you have mortgaged based on the two earner income, and one of you either loses a job or loses a job temporarily or has a reduction in work, you're going to be a little tight on your finances and able to make that payment. So from my perspective is if, if you build in, you know, some extra cash flow there, don't max out that mortgage or that payment. Don't buy more than you can afford. That also will help you manage it over time. You don't want to be one of those people who ends up um, missing your payments and having to go through foreclosure. So, buy a little bit less than you can afford. And then what is typically in that mortgage payment? Quite often, they will escrow um, the real estate taxes and the uh, homeowner's insurance. And if you weren't able to put 20% down on the home, you might have to pay um, mortgage insurance. Uh, it's called PMI primary mortgage insurance. So those would be escrowed as part of your payment. So sometimes people will say, well, I'm paying, you know, 1500 a month on my, you know, mortgage. Well, you know, $1,000 of that could be your real estate taxes if you're living in a very expensive, uh, you know, taxed district. So make sure that you understand the elements of the payments that you're making as well. And the impact that that mortgage rate can make on those payments. So we have just recently experienced, you know, the Fed raising rates. They did not raise rates today. They're holding them steady. I think it's between 5.2 and 5.5, the Fed funds rate right now. Uh, they're going to hold that steady for a little bit. But of course, that impacts borrowers when you go to get a mortgage. And we're looking at, you know, seven plus eight percent type of mortgages for people. Well, if two years ago you could get a mortgage for 4%, that's quite the swing in um, interest rate and makes a huge difference on the monthly payment that you have. So here again, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't buy a house right now because as interest rates go down, the price of the homes may go up because now there'll be more competition when interest rates go down. There could be more competition for buying a home. Um, that could make homes more expensive. So I'm not necessarily saying not to buy right now because you could, let's say, in two or three years when interest rates come back down, you could always do a refinance of a mortgage. So again, understanding what kind of debt you have, how much it's costing you, what is the term, how much can you afford monthly, all factors into, you know, your ongoing debt management and success. Um, I have had people who have gone from a 30-year mortgage to a 20-year mortgage. And sometimes when you go to a lower term um, or payment period, the interest rate could be more attractive as well. You could go from a 30-year, maybe pay on it five years, which would mean you'd have 25 years left. 
but hey, you're making more money now. Maybe your partner's making more money and now you can afford a higher monthly payment. You could always refi a 25-year loan to maybe a 15-year loan. Right now might not be the best time to do that because interest rates are higher and we really, really hope that maybe in the next year or so, interest rates will start to come down again. We can't guarantee that. We hope for it. And at that time, one could always refinance um, and really continue with the same payment. When you refi and go to a shorter term, if you have a lower rate, you still might have the same payment. You may not save on the monthly payment, but you will save over the life of that loan because you're paying less interest than the prior loan and for a shorter period of time. How do you compare or analyze what you should do. There are calculators uh, for amortization. This is what is called the amortization schedule that um, typically you get when you have a mortgage and you can compare the difference in the, um, the interest that one would pay over the life of the loan at a particular rate uh, versus a lower rate or for a shorter period of time. And you'll see it, it's, it's just shocking the difference uh, that the lifetime payments make with a change in interest rates, which is why we might not see as many people selling right now because they have such attractive rates if they bought several years ago. I mean, I have clients who have mortgage rates at 2.75. If they were to sell their home and go buy a new home and had to borrow, it, it's just, you know, prohibitive for them to do that when they have such a great current rate. Now, granted, those people might also be walking out of a home with, you know, pure equity and be able to buy a, a house without having to take out a mortgage at all. Uh, so just be aware of that. Folks, the show's gone very fast. We have 15 minutes left. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. We'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services including portfolio management, tax return preparation, and financial planning for the accumulation years, retirement years, and estate distribution. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. American folk music offers a variegated pattern of performers and styles. I'm Tom Druckenmiller, your host for In the Tradition. Together we'll trace the roots and branches of American folk music from the earliest recordings and performers through today's talented players. In the Tradition, Wednesday evening from 7 to 9 p.m. on WDIY 88.1 FM and WDIY.org. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here in WDIY. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. And you can also send those through the website, yourfinancialchoices.com. Let me run through some really quick terms, if I can, on mortgages. Um, conventional loans meet mortgage underwriting standards conform to limits on loan amounts set by the U.S. government. These mortgages generally require a credit score of 620 or higher and a down payment of at least 3%. FHA loans are insured by the Federal Housing Administration. Borrowers with credit scores as low as 580 may qualify for an FHA insured mortgage with a down payment of at least 3.5%. We have VA loans, which are guaranteed by the Department 
Department of Veterans Affairs and do not require a down payment. VA loans are available to qualified U.S. veterans, active duty military personnel, and some surviving spouses. USA, USDA loans don't require down payment or are available to home buyers who meet income requirements in designated rural and suburban areas. And then there's jumbo loans, which are mortgages that exceed the government's limits on loan amounts. The limits vary by county and they're higher where housing is more expensive. Um, you typically um, see terms like APR, APR short for annual percentage rate. The number represents the total cost of borrowing to buy a home because it combines your interest rate with fees, points, and other lender charges. Points are things one might pay to get a lower interest rate. So the bank might say, hey, if you pay one point, which is 1% of the loan value, um, they might give you a lower interest rate. That may or may not make sense. So that's why it's important to understand some of these terms when you're understanding debt, because to pay points may not um, be worth it. It sometimes depends on how long you think you'll be in the home or how long you'll carry that debt. Uh, appraisal. After you've applied for a mortgage, the lender has an appraiser come uh, compare the details of the home you want to buy with similar properties. So sometimes a house doesn't appraise at the value that the seller is selling it for. So if there's a home that's 300000 you want to buy it for 300000 and you think you'll get this loan for 80% of the value, maybe you have some down payment, but the home only appraises at $200,000, well, you're not going to get the loan you thought you were going to get because the collateral, the home, the security isn't worth as much as um, that seller and you as the buyer think it's worth if the bank comes in and appraises it as something lower. So you got to be aware of that and be careful of that. Closing, that's closing costs. That's usually the um, settlement charges that we see. And you close on the house at the time you all sign off on it. Then there's a loan estimate. There's mortgage brokers. They're an independent agent who can help you with the home loan process. Based on your needs, they'll present you with loan options and help you work with the lender that you choose. You don't have to work with a mortgage broker. With the amount of information readily available online, it's easier to do research and compare loans that it uses than it used to be. And then mortgage originator is the lender. And just FYI, I mean, if you come from money, your parents could be, the, you know, write the mortgage for you. They could loan you the money, buy the house, and you could have like a real mortgage where you're paying your parents interest and it, and you could get an interest deduction if you itemize, but then they do have to report the interest uh, on the return as income. And the IRS publishes what's called the applicable federal rate, which is a minimum a rate that they expect even with intrafamily loans, um, and they um, publish those monthly. So you could uh, also do a loan even with a family member. Then there's a pre-qualification process, which is an informal way to estimate how much you might be able to borrow. Second mortgages, it's another loan on a home that already has a first or primary mortgage. Um, and the second mortgages are a way to access the equity in your home as spendable funds without selling or refinancing. Home equity loans and home equity lines of credit are two types of second mortgages, and they may have a higher rate of interest. A line of credit typically, folks, is where you have it available to you, but you actually aren't paying on it because it's not a loan until you 
access it. So a line of credit might say, I get a line of credit on my house for a hundred thousand. Maybe I'm going to do some improvements. Those improvements only cost you know, 60,000 and I needed those $20,000 payment, three months, three months, three months. I'm only paying interest on that line of credit on those balances when I take those out. That's a little bit different than like a mortgage. Um, Title represents the home's ownership history. Underwriting is the process lenders use to make sure that the borrowers are qualified. So that's just some terms on mortgages. I wanted to make sure that I mentioned some um, information on student loans as well. This is really an area where I see, you know, I think parents want their kids to be responsible sometimes for the student loans and the kids take out student loans, but the kids really aren't aware of what they have, how much they have, or the interest rates on them. So again, typically, I think there is our websites available now that when you go on and you access them, you can actually see the kinds of loans you have, the balances you have, and the interest rates and the monthly payment. So you really, really want to make sure that you, you have that as a you know, favorite link on your uh, computer so that you can monitor those student loans. What types of federal student loans are available? And this is from studentaid.gov. U.S. Department of Education's federal student loan program is the William D. Ford Federal Direct Loan Program. And under this program, the Department of Education is the lender. And there's four types of direct loans and I want you to understand these key words, direct subsidized loans, subsidized. That means someone's helping out with something there. And what does it mean? They're loans made to eligible undergraduate students who demonstrate financial need to help cover the cost of higher education at a college or career school. And subsidized loans, what they do not describe further there, is that you do not accrue interest during the period of education. So subsidized means they give you the loan, there's an interest rate on it, but it doesn't start accruing until you're usually like six months out of graduation once you graduate, all right, or leave school. So that's subsidized loans. The unsubsidized loans are made, again, to eligible undergraduate, graduate, and professional students, but eligibility is not based on financial need. So some people think, oh, I can't get a loan because, you know, my parents have money and I don't meet the financial need. But you still can get loans. They're just unsubsidized. So what that means is if you take out a $10,000 loan your freshman year and you're at a, you know, 8% interest rate, well, $10,000 times 8% is $800. Now my loan at the end of the first year is $10,800. Now we have 8% on that. Now we've got like $960 of interest adding up. So sometimes when you get an unsubsidized loan, instead of letting that interest accrue and because you, you, don't necessarily have to pay it off during the period of education, but the interest does apply and begin to accrue and it compounds on itself. So our daughter, we made her take out a student loan at the start of her freshman year to just make her feel like she had skin in the game, as the saying goes. And we did pay off the interest each year um, until in the end, you know, it, it did get 
paid off. Once she graduated, we said, okay, now we'll pay it. <laughs> but um, that's an unsubsidized loan. So you can pay the interest as you go so that you're not paying interest on interest. Then, of course, there's direct plus loans that are loans made to graduate or professional students and parents of dependent undergraduate students to help pay for education expenses not covered by other financial aid. Eligibility is not based on financial need, but a credit check is required. So that goes back to what we were talking about, understanding debt and what it means and the importance of being a good steward of any debt that you take. Uh, pays you back fourfold because you if you need to go to school and take out a loan and you have a better credit score, then you should be able to qualify for some of these direct plus loans if you otherwise wouldn't qualify for, you know, need-based loans. Then, of course, there's direct consolidation loans. How much money can I borrow in federal student loans? If you're an undergraduate student, the maximum amount you can borrow each year in direct subsidized loans and unsubsidized loans ranges from $5,500 to $12,500 per year, depending on what year you are in school and your dependency status. And then it goes up for, you know, grad students and professionals up to 20500 um, Lots of information available on studentaid.com. Um, how much, let's see, what I, I wanted to make sure I mentioned the public service loan forgiveness. My two nephews, both of them just entered into public service jobs. One has become a police officer and the other one is working for the United States Postal Service, both of whom have student loans. Well, they should be able to qualify for a public service loan forgiveness. And it's not as easy as one might think. Don't think they're getting away with anything. You have to serve in public service for I think it's 10 years. So there's more information on that under studentaid.gov forward slash P as in Paul, S as in Sam, L as in loan, and F as in forgiveness. So public service loan forgiveness. If you're employed by um, a government or not-for-profit organization, you might be eligible for the PSLF program. For, it forgives the remaining balance on your direct loans after you've made the equivalent of 120 qualifying monthly payments under an accepted repayment plan while working full-time for an eligible employer. So there's some new rules that apply to that. That's certainly something that one should explore if you're working for, um, you know, a, a government or a non-for-profit. You'd be surprised that hospitals, some hospitals are not-for-profit. Um, some of our art institutions might be not-for-profit. So you want to try to see what program you might have and when they talk about an accepted repayment plan, that is when you go and you can sign up, for example, a student loan repayment plan under an income-based scenario. So you might not have, you, you might think, gosh, Lori, after 10 years, I'll have paid off the student loan, but you may not have the same payment, monthly payment obligation if you go into this PSLF program because you would sign up for a different repayment plan. All right. So just be aware of that. That could make a big difference for some people. But I will say that that student loan, um, student loans for education, certainly, uh, I would say, you know, give you returns. On that same website, studentaid.com, 
www.ncpa.gov. They have like some scenarios you can go through for, I want to find the best student loan repayment strategy. They have links for struggling with my student loan payments and a link for, I want to simulate borrowing more. So there's so many resources out there that can help people uh, understand their debt. I think it all starts with you understanding your debt first. And the the best way to uh, control your debt is not to incur it. <laughs> so don't incur the bad debt, you know, and then be really smart about the good debt, meaning do I really have to max out my ability um, when investing in a home or my education or a car or whatever it might be. Be really smart about what you're doing on the front end to give yourself more opportunities, you know, for your future self and your future uh, financial well-being. Well, we covered a lot of information tonight. I want to thank Bob and Cindy for being here. Thank you, Peter, for being here. And thank you, listeners. Next week, I'm going to have Tom Riddle, uh, founder of Valley National Financial Advisors, come in and talk to us about what's new in business, as well as a program to help new businesses in our community called Link. So I look forward to hearing more from Tom on that. Coming up next, we have Tom Druckenmiller with In Their Tradition Folk Music. Remember, pay attention, be proactive, not reactive. Make the best of your financial choices and have a great week. (laughs) 